Turn with me over to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew. And we're going to begin a two-week series on uh, what it means to distribute. Uh, the, the title of the, of the message today is Faith to, Dist- to Distribute, House Etiquette, Three Styles of Membership Conduct. Faith to Distribute, House Etiquette, Three Styles of Membership Conduct. Matthew 26, looking at verses 6 through 13. 6 through 13. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper. A woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, Why this waste? Verse 9. For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it in preparation for my burial. Verse 13. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. Lord, help us as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We have three groups of people here. We have hospitable welcomers, we've got grateful offerers, and we've got religious critics. It says that that all three of these people were in the house of Simon the leper, and I'm going to use this in an allegory way to talk about what it means to be in the house, what it means to be in the house. Now, Jesus had three occasions whereby a woman came into an environment where he was dining and, and poured perfume on his body. Three. One at the beginning of his ministry in Mark chapter 6, 7, where uh, he was at the home of Simon the Pharisee, as distinguished from Simon the leper here. And this is why we believe in this passage he is distinguished as Simon the leper to not confuse people with the other Simon at which Jesus had perfume poured on him. And when Jesus at the beginning of his ministry was eating at the home of Simon the, the Pharisee, Uh, This woman came up behind him, and she was an uninvited guest. But something about the ministry of Christ had invited her, attracted her to such a degree that she broke all the barriers of what would normally be uh, inappropriate uh, conduct and and, and breaking through the, the, the door of being uninvited, especially at a Pharisee's home, because this woman was a kind of woman. It doesn't say exactly what she did that wasn't appropriate, but it does say that as a result of her coming in the room and her weeping and crying, that the Simon, the, the Pharisee, said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this was. And it says that Jesus, knowing his thoughts, even though he didn't utter them uh, out loud, gave him a story about what it meant to be loving as a result of being forgiven. The other time when Jesus got, uh, was anointed with perfume was about four days earlier to this event. So in the last week of his, of his earthly ministry, Jesus was anointed by perfume twice. 
The other time is in John chapter 12 when he was at the home of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. Now, what's interesting is that Lazarus, the guy he raised from the dead, Mary and Martha, and Simon the leper both lived in Bethany. Walking testimonies of the miracle power of God, these two were. Simon the leper is called Simon the leper not because he still had leprosy. He's called Simon the leper because he had leprosy. No longer does, but other people because they designated folks who were lepers, lepers, and therefore you needed to keep away from them. If they had leprosy, nobody really believed that they were ever cured. Even though Jesus had done the miracle, nobody out there believed that they were ever cured. Secondly, they wanted to distinguish, the writer did, from the Simon the, the, the Pharisee earlier. And so he's called the home of, it's called home of Simon the leper. These two guys were in the same community. And if you didn't know that Simon the leper was cured, you were blind. I mean, leprosy was that which ate away your entire extremities first, made you blind, gave this coloring, this cloudiness to your eyes. You'd wake up one morning, and you, 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 the night before you had five fingers. Now you got three, and they'd just be lying in the bed. You didn't even know they fell off. The, the leprosy is such a horrible disease. It, 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 it messes up your nervous system. It deadens all the things, starting with your extremities, that you would normally feel. It is painful as it goes through that process. It is a horrible disease and one that kills very, very slowly. So if you didn't know that Simon was healed, you were blind. Secondly, you had Lazarus over there. What a city Bethany was. And Bethany is less than two miles away from Jerusalem. So it's a bedroom community. This is where Jesus slept whenever he ministered in Jerusalem. He would go to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, or someplace else where he had friends. And we, we, we don't think Bethany was very large. Today, it's a city of about 16,000 people. It's named differently. It's in Palestinian West Bank. But back then, it may be, it, well, let's say it this way. It was always small, and small enough that if you were uh, the, the, the result of a miracle of Almighty God, you were known. You were known. And here we've got two. We've got Lazarus. Of course, everybody knew Lazarus was dead. He'd been in the grave four days. And seeing that it was really close to Jerusalem, Lazarus would go into the, the, the big city to Walmart. And he'd get groceries and he'd come back. You get my point. That dude was dead, and now he, he was a walking, walking testimony to the miracle power of Almighty God, especially who Jesus was in specific. Amen. And then you've got Simon the leper, who also was. And so you've got, you've got a, Siri, Siri, a city where you've got the miracle power of God in testimony form in humanity, walking around every day. And, and day six before he's going to be crucified, he's at Mary and Martha's house with Lazarus, and he's eating. And Mary is just so overcome that she, uh, she takes a vial of very costly perfume and breaks it over Christ's feet. And the room is just filled with the aroma. This is the moment that unusually inspires Judas to say these words. This money that could have been derived from this perfume could have been used to feed the poor, to help the poor. And Jesus quotes almost the exact same thing he says here that we just read there. Don't bother this woman. 
what she's done is for my burial. And that's all he says. He doesn't say the latter part. Now, he says this to Judas. Now, we don't know if it's a private conversation or one that all the disciples could hear. My sense is that it's a private conversation, primarily because Judas wanted to keep much of his financial dealings to himself and that he was stealing from the treasury, it says there in John chapter 12. So it may have been that after, this, after Mary did this, he went up and said, Now, Jesus, you know that one. You should have told her to stop. I mean, we could have used that money. He wasn't thinking about how to use it for the poor. He was thinking about how to use it for himself. And I think it was a private conversation. I can't prove it. Primarily because when it happens again just four days later, all the disciples say the same thing that Judas says. Now, generally speaking, the disciples weren't, as, they weren't the sharpest knives in the drawer, just like us. They just weren't. But one thing you don't see is them back to back making the exact same verbal mistake. You don't see that very often. Now, you will see one, mistakes that are made in duplicate with time elapsed. But generally not within four days in the exact same environment, knowing that they're going to be reproved by him. Because they just got reproved by him, or Judas did, and they saw it all. It's one of those, well, I ain't going to do that. Anybody, uh, anybody like, like third or fourth born in your house? Yeah? Okay. You, do you know you didn't get many spankings. You didn't get near as many as the first and second born. You don't even know it. You're just happy. <laughs> Why didn't you? Because when you saw them getting whooped, some of your houses may not have whooped people. My house whooped people. When you saw them getting whooped, you said, mm, they ain't going to do that. Whatever they did, I am not going to do that. So if Jesus rebuked Judas four days earlier for the exact same thing, you would think the disciples would have said, mm, whatever next person wants to do, they can do it. I'm not saying a word. But Jesus says the exact same thing to the disciples. The exact same thing. And he doesn't say, by way of prefacing, where is your faith? Meaning, I just told you this four days earlier. Which makes you think that the conversation that he had with Judas was private. And that the rest of the disciples didn't hear it. So here we have now two days before he's taken captive. Before he's taken captive. We think Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday, someplace in there. We're not quite sure. And he's at the home of Simon the leper. And the beautiful thing about... The idea of Simon the leper is that it tells you something you need to know, that he was cleansed. When somebody got healed of leprosy, the scriptures don't normally say they were healed. It says that they were cleansed. And leprosy is more in line with the idea of what sin is in our own souls than any other disease in the Bible. Why? Because sin... Sin causes the nerve endings of our spiritual sensitivity to become desensitized. When we go out and do something wrong, and we know it's wrong, we do it for the first time, it's one of those, ouch, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That is so bad. Oh, your guilt just fills your soul. You can barely sleep. You're, you're, just, you're just riddled with shame. But then when that wears off, you go back and do it again pain's not so much, the guilt not so great. And then you keep doing it, keep doing it, finally you don't feel much at all. 
Sin desensitizes the spiritual sensitivity you need in order to know what is wrong. It quiets your conscience. It mutes it. Doesn't mean it makes it go away. It just puts a muzzle on it. And so people go out there and now they don't even know that what they're doing is wrong. They don't know. They need to be reminded of what wrong is because they are so used to doing it that it feels right. This is the way leprosy is. Leprosy in the physical desensitized the entire nervous system so that you no longer felt, especially at the extremities. And so when it talks about being cleansed from leprosy, not only were you resensitized, but everything about the, 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 the condition of your skin was restored. And when we think about our sin, Jesus wipes away all of our blemishes, all of our stain, all of our wrongdoing, and resensitizes us so that when you got born again, all of a sudden, it, it, it was like you, 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 your, your feelings came back. And you, you, you were not only thinking about what you were doing wrong, you were thinking about what everybody else was doing wrong. Do you remember what it was like when you really got right? Please say something. See, those are moments when you don't want to be quiet because I'm thinking, did you get right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden, you were just high. Can I watch that program? Can I listen to that music? Can I say those words? Can I think these thoughts? Oh, my goodness, my whole life is a wreck. I have to start from the ground up. I don't know how to rebuild it. What am I supposed to do? You are just heightened. Everything is like, wow. I didn't know. That was Simon. Wow, I forgot what it was like to feel. I forgot what it was like to taste food. I forgot what it was like to enjoy the company of my wife and feel a hug. I forgot what it was like to be around people because nobody wanted to be around me. I forgot now. I'm sitting here at a table with all my friends. The one who healed me. And it feels so good. It feels, thank you, Lord. It feels so good. It feels so good. But the hospitality of our willingness to welcome Christ can sometimes wear off. That sense that what it was like in the beginning can become normal. And we can think, Ah, oh, Jesus is coming over for dinner. That's great. Oh, great. Oh, oh, the disciples coming too? Great. Just have them sit down. Yeah, yeah. Hey, seat yourselves. Just make yourselves at home. It's no longer, Jesus, have my chair. Sit right, right here, right here. <laughs> You're amazing. You're amazing. I'll sit on the floor. <sighs> I'm just glad you're here. Just take, take my seat, please. Take my seat. After a little bit, it's, um, here, get, get, have your way. Yeah, uh, bring him some food. Coke? You want a Coke? What, what, what do you want to drink? Before we would have got up to get it. Jesus was in this man's home. Jesus had about two and a half days to live. And, and for Simon the leper and his family, everything was normal just normal and I, I I love the church 
I love the church. And I love being with you. And, and my staff and me cannot tell you how hard it has been for us not to be with you. We can't explain it. We're trying to keep a stiff upper lip and be content and deal with our circumstances well, but we really love you. But I am, I am mindful of what it means to make sure every Sunday, not just because we haven't been able to meet, but every Sunday what it means to welcome Christ into our world. And I don't want just my staff to be the ones that are really excited when we come together and say, take my chair, please. Take my chair. I want all of us to have this sense of, it is an outstanding privilege, Jesus, for you to come into my home. I never want to get used to this. I never want to get used to this. I want to expect you because you said you would be here. I don't want to live in doubt and unbelief, but I never want to get comfortable. Ever. Ever. I want all of us corporately to have that kind of expectation every time we come together. Simon. I'm not blaming Simon. I'm just talking about three different levels of church membership here, and you may fall someplace all in the middle. But Simon, it looks like, was not the guy who was trying to figure out how to, how to be, be, be someone who could treat Jesus really special today. And then you've got the grateful offerer. <laughs> There's so much not said about this woman. First of all, we don't even know if she was a part of the, the invited guests. We don't know if she just showed up, burst through the door and said, I'm here. I heard Jesus was in town. This is supposed to be his coronation moment. He's supposed to be the Messiah. Everybody's thinking about who he is. He's, up, he's disrupted the religious institutions. He's made everybody mad, but everybody loves him from the populace. I'm coming in because I have to do my due. I have to figure out how to show him how grateful I am. How much I like him, what he means to me, what he means to my community. We don't know anything about this woman. All it says is that a woman stood up and she took her vial of perfume. And in, in Mark chapter 14, here it says she opened it and poured it on his head. In 14 of, of, of chapter Mark, uh, chapter Mark, chapter 14 of Mark, it says she broke it and poured it on his head. However it got out of the vial, it got out. And it says he was reclining at table. That's not the place you put on cologne. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you do that in the bathroom before you go out. And generally, I don't need anybody to apply it to me. I'm good at that. So what is this? Something is happening in the spirit that these women are sensitive to, whether it be Mary or this woman. They know something that the other disciples just don't get. And she has disrupted the environment, if not the party. She may be a party crasher. But if she was an invited guest, surely this was not scripted. Because who brings, a vi who brings their Chanel number five to dinner? <laughs> who does that? You put it on, you don't put it in your... Nobody... And if you do bring some perfume, it's a little, you know, one of those little tester things that they give away at the cosmetic centers. You don't bring a whole, this probably was a year, anybody ever bought perfume, by the way? Not cologne, 
Not cologne. Not cologne. Cologne is watered down perfume. That's all it is. It's just got a, little, a whole lot more alcohol with it. I, um, first, first or second, uh, it must, uh, second birthday of married to Cynthia, she, she had a perfume. She'd been around Macy's and stuff. She said, one well, she really liked. And um, I said, great. Logged it. Birthday come up. I'm going to get her that perfume. Went to Macy's. I said, she wants this. I smelled it. I said, oh, I understand why she wants that. I want her to want that. That's some good stuff right there. <laughs> and, and I said, how much is it? They said, $242 an ounce. I said, do they make an axe version of that? <laughs> Old Spice version of that? You know that stuff you can get for $15 for a quart? Do, do they make... Do they make $242 an ounce? An ounce. An ounce. Wow. I said, I'll take a quarter ounce. <laughs> I'm serious. Give me the smallest bottle you can give me. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money. I was making $15,000 a year. I didn't have any money. And I, I bought it. But it's expensive. This woman broke a whole vial. Which in, in the other times when something was broken open... It's in John chapter 12 when Mary did it. Mary broke open a whole year's worth of wages in terms of perfume. Said it was 300 denarii. A denarii was a day's wages. A whole year's salary. She poured on Jesus' feet. $40,000, $50,000 of a day laborer here. That's some serious love, y'all. Not even on his neck, on his feet. We think that's probably what this woman did as well. When she came to church, she came ready. She came ready. It wasn't church as usual. She had to think about it. Okay, I'm going to go see him. I can't come empty-handed. I don't know what I can offer him. I know it can be something that represents the anointing that he's going to experience when either he's Messiah or when he comes to the throne or, or something. Or maybe the fragrance that he is to all of Israel. I don't know what's appropriate, but I do know what I have. If she was married, she probably didn't have access to the resources of her husband to do something like this, but her husband would have bought her perfume like this husband did, did his wife. I know what I can give him. I can give him what's important to me. And she poured it open. <sighs> to which the disciples say, I cannot believe that this woman took all. That. Now, remember, it had to be a lot of money for the disciples to say, this should have been sold and money given to the poor. If it were just a fifteen bottle of fifteen dollar bottle of female version of Axe Cologne, nobody would have said a thing. This had to be a lot of money for the disciples to say what they said. And then Jesus rebukes the disciples with her gift. When you hang around the house long enough and you get used to being here and and things are 
kind of accustomed to you and you, you just kind of know how to be. We need to be real careful that we don't become religious critics. Talking bad about things that are good. This woman has done good to me and you're talking bad about it. I can't believe that they actually spent money on those chairs. Do they actually need lights for their signs? Why in the world do they have those kinds of lights behind Pastor Brett? He can just sit there. I mean, those lights cost money, money, money. I'm being over-exaggerative. You get my point, though? That you can hang around the house so much that you think you now are the one who can decide what good is and what best is. And forget that somebody can love so much that they can do the unusual and the extraordinary. And Jesus will commend them, not critique them. Are you listening to me? Faith. Faith to distribute. This woman took what she had and she came into the house with an expectation. She did not bring that vial of perfume in order to make sure she was smelling fresh when she walked in the room. She brought it in order to pour it out on Christ. What do you regularly bring to do extraordinary? I don't, I'm not asking for people to do this every day. I'm just saying that we need to be people that don't either become accustomed to the, to the presence of God to such a degree that we forget about the extraordinary or we become so accustomed to the culture that is created that we critique the extraordinary. We need to be open to the idea of God, what do you want me to do really unusual today? I, wanted, I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how great you are and there's something I need to express that lets you know that and lets me know how I worship you well. It's a confirmation of my love. What would you like me to do today? Now, I'm not asking anybody or expecting anybody to go out and sell your house and your cars and give all the money to the poor. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is Make sure that you don't become comfortable. That you don't become so accustomed to what church ought to be for you on the regular that you are unopened to the extraordinary. Are you listening to me? This allows you to always develop the faith to distribute. God doesn't have to figure out how in the world do I get in that brother's pocket? How do I get in that sister's purse? They are so into the routine that there's no way I can have them do the unusual. Let our hearts always be warmed with the idea, the fresh idea of who Jesus is to us. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. I'm grateful that you've given us examples like this to let us know what best conduct looks like in the house. If you've never given your heart to Christ, or maybe you've done so and your life doesn't look anything like what a believer's ought to be, I want to give you an opportunity to do so today. If you fit in either of those categories, raise your hand high.
I'd like to pray for you. Anybody at all in the house? I see that hand. Bless you. Once it's up, you can put it down. Those of you online who wish to respond, you can raise your hand or at least just acknowledge this affirmation in your heart and pray with me. Say, Father in heaven, forgive me. I am sorry for the way I've lived. I choose to turn away from everything I know to be sin and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name.